1: Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Leterno, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, host of the popular Locked On Warriors podcast. During our conversation, we broke down the Warriors start to free agency and looked at the best summer league storylines. Wes, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. We're here in downtown Sacramento. It's a late night on a Tuesday. Uh, a few hours removed from the Warriors' first summer league game. We're those guys who just love Sacramento so much <laughs> that we were not willing to just drive up here and drive back and then come up tomorrow for another summer league game. We had to talk our bosses into letting us stay here. Not one, but two nights. We wanted the Marriott points, and we wanted to <laughs> soak up the greatness that is Sacramento. I think, honestly, we just missed
0: being on the road, right? Yeah, so, like, a little inside baseball stuff, but this was the first time that we've kind of conducted interviews. And it wasn't in the same way. Like, there was still, like, a Zoom thing afterwards, but we were sort of standing around the computer asking Chris Weems, the Warriors' summer league coach, questions and things like that. But it was a good chance to kind of see the coaches, some of the executives, the players in person for the first time uh, in a very, very long time. And then, of course, see other media people in the same time. So I think, look, first day of summer league, a plus, like really cool to kind of throw it back and, and and live that kind of life that we like do the job the way that we got accustomed to doing it before the pandemic, and then of course, uh, yeah, we get to stay at a hotel, rack up some Marriott points, um, and uh, and talk about some basketball. And I, get I, got to g- I gotta first. give
1: Sacramento credit. Like I've I've always enjoyed the Sacramento Summer League. Um, they really fans really come out. Yeah. Uh, Golden One is a great venue a
0: great arena. Yeah, if, if you, like Warriors fans listening to this when the Warriors play in Sacramento, if you haven't made the drive up um from the Bay Area to do a visitors game, at Coldwell, do yourself a favor, make the drive up, okay? Like get some tickets. I'm I'm sure they're cheaper than the ones that Chase Center. Yeah, way cheaper. Uh like do it, make the drive. It's like an hour and a half from the take Bay the Area. Take the train up. Yeah, you can take the train up. It's a good time. You could drink on the train. That's always fun. Pre-game a little bit. Uh, Golden One Center is a really great arena. I would put it right up there with Chase Center and some of the other like state of the art. It might be my favorite arena, and I know yeah. that's sacrilegious great, to a lot of uh, great, Chase Center fans. But well, great sightlines at Golden yeah. One Center. Like you, it, it kind of reminds me of like a baseball park a little bit more than an NBA arena. It's got a good vibe, uh, pretty good food, I would say. And then around the area, like are a lot of good, like right, like they. So Golden One Center was built what? Four years before Chase Center? Four or five years before Chase Center? Uh, three? Three or four years? four. three years. or four. Um, so they're, but they've they've kind of done like the same kind of Thrive City thing around it where you have like a lot of bars and restaurants, but obviously because it was earlier, they're a lot more developed and further along than what Thrive City is. So it's. It, I was thinking about this when we were walking around, like they got a bunch of bars, there's like a Chipotle there, like some sandwich places, stuff like that. Um, and they've kind of done that, and I think it would be cool for Warriors fans to be like, oh yeah, this is probably what Thrive... City is going to look like in a couple of years. So yeah, just shout out Sacramento. Yeah, shout out Sacramento.
1: Um, so it was, it, the Sacramento summer league is always interesting because we we got summer league going on, but it's also the heart of free agency. So we're we gotta kind of split our attention fra- between monitoring free agency, yeah. writing about what's going on, and then trying to pay attention to what's going on in summer league. And today was a good example of that. There, uh, the, the Warriors made another. Signing, uh, Nicola, or I'm, I'm so bad at pronouncing his name, Nemanja Bialicia, N- Nemanja Bialicia, Bialicia, Nemanja Bialicia, Bia, Bialicia, Alicia. Okay, so Bialicia was the signing today. <laughs> Late last night, it was uh, Otto Porter Jr., and I know um, that one, yeah, I know that one. <laughs> I, I've been following him since his Georgetown days. Um, Shout out who is. the it, just on the surface, like that, that's a bit of a coup. Those are getting both of those guys on minimums, yeah. and they, they have yet to use their mid level.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that's a good start. Now, I think that free agency is going to be defined by what they do on the, the mid level. But what are your thoughts as we stand at this moment on a Tuesday yeah. night with those being the two additions?
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned like we'll see what they do with the mid level. Uh, they have that 5.9 million dollar taxpayer mid level exception yet to use, um, and the market's not looking super hot right now for guys that are even worth that. Like we'll see what it is like. Patty Mills signed with Brooklyn. That was a tough loss. Um, for the Warriors, a big target off the board for them. We'll see what they end up doing with it. Um, I actually don't think it's a guarantee that they even use it. I think they're only gonna want to use it if it's a real difference maker who's worth that kind of money. Um, they might not. They probably use a portion of it, but not even the full allotment. We'll see. Um, but, um, so like the end questionable, the beginning of free agency was really rough for them too. I mean, you saw all these names flying off the boards and look, the first couple of guys like that was not a surprise. You saw the big names go, Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, Chris Paul, like all those guys. All right. Okay, cool. Big splashy names. They're moving around. Warriors were not like destinations for any of those guys, but then you see guys like Bobby Portis getting moved. P.J. Tucker going to Miami. You know, uh, Corey Joseph, which was kind of a target. You see the Lakers, like, grabbing all these guys, like Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, the Warriors' own Kent Bazemore, all these things. I was like, are the Warriors going to do anything? And then late Monday night, they get Otto Porter, and then they get Nemanja Bializia early Tuesday morning. And so the middle part of free agency, I thought, was really good for the Warriors. That's kind of what I'm getting at here. Um, At the minimum... I think they're really good signings. I think there's a reason they were available for that minimum contract, right? And and mostly it's because of injuries, right? And so right. if if they're on the court, I think a guy like Otto Porter can play the four spot for them. He can kind of fill that Harrison Barnes type of role as sort of a, a small ball four. He's 6'8", 7'1", wingspan, can hit threes out of the corner. You could see a lineup with Steph, Clay, Wiggins, uh, Porter... And Draymond playing. I thought Wiggins was always a little miscast in that four spot. So I think Otto Porter makes a little bit more sense there. Um, and then you could see Bielizio playing next to Draymond Green in that front court and some other lineups because he can obviously space the floor. Six foot 10, 40% three point shooter for his career uh, almost. like These guys are going to help the shooting. And Bob Meyer said they want to come out and get shooting. And there's added size there, which is obviously a benefit. I think if they're on the floor, it's really interesting. They kind It unlocks a lot of interesting lineups that the Warriors have now, lineups that they like to use. We can dive in more into those individual skill sets, but really what matters is whether or not they're on the floor. And if they could stay healthy, I think it's really good. And if they can't, even at the minimum, it could look like a bust, right? Like it, Their health is the biggest question.
1: Yeah, I and mean, both of these guys have had health concerns the yeah. past couple of years. I know Porter's only played, you know, 28 games last season, 14 games the season before. Um, Bializia, you know, his health concerns were a big reason why he wasn't playing a lot in both Sacramento and Miami. Um, but I think the biggest thing that the Warriors were looking at a free agency was experience, veteran leadership, guys who they would feel comfortable putting on a floor in playoff situations. And assuming they're healthy, I think that yeah. they should definitely – check those boxes. And if you can get guys on minimum deals who you feel comfortable playing in a playoff game, that alone is a win. And, um, you know, we, we said entering free agency, there's only like five, six guys that you feel comfortable playing in that type of situation. And guys like Juan Descano, Anderson, Jordan Poole, they very well could fit that box, but it, we have yet to see it because yeah. they haven't been in that situation. But you can throw Otto Porter out there right now and feel comfortable that he's going to be reliable. Um, yeah. You know, he he honestly is one of the best shooters in the NBA. He just doesn't shoot enough. Like that was the one of the big knocks on him with the Wizards was you're our best shooter. Why aren't you shooting more? Mm-hmm. He's a career forty percent three point shooter who almost is too unselfish at times. Even when he was a max level player. With the Wizards, um, but I think he's coming into a situation where he can play to his comfort zone. He can be that selfless guy who's moving off the ball and guarding multiple positions and doing the dirty work and, and you know passing up the good shot for the to find his teammate for an open for a wide open shot. And that's all going to uh, fit the
0: ethos of that read and react system that the Warriors employ. Yeah, this is what I wrote about him. Like in Washington and Chicago, he was tasked with being the answer on the perimeter, and in Golden State, he'll just be an option on the perimeter, right? Mm. And so, just that downstep in role could be really helpful. Now he doesn't have to be a star; he can just be a star in his role, right? We hear that all the time. Um, I think that his game is suited for that. You mentioned the unselfishness—perfect. Like you want him shooting, but you don't want him shooting more than Steph or Clay, right? You don't want the ball in his hands more than it's in Draymond's hands. Like that. I think it's a really good fit. Um, talking with people who covered uh, the Bulls and then, in Bializia's case, covered the Heat, the, the, the concerns with both of them, not only is health, but just conditioning and just sort of buying in in their, in their roles completely. Um, it seems like Otto Porter is buying in, right? We've, there's reports out there that he turned down more lucrative offers because he wanted to play a role for a playoff team at like Golden State, kind of a one-year prove-it contract, re-enter free agency in 2022 and try to get a bigger contract. And if that's the case, then boom. That's great. You want a guy, like, motivated in a contract year. That's exactly what the Warriors need right now. Um, The Bielicius thing, uh, I don't really know what his motivation was, but if, again, like, he was signed at the minimum for a reason, and the questions that keep coming up with him is motivation conditioning, buying into a role. He was griping about playing time early on in Miami. Like, they traded for him, and within a week, he was out of the rotation, and they decided they needed to go sign another center, and they went out and got Dwayne Dedman, who played over Bielicia. and by the way, they just re-signed Dwayne D- Dedman, and that ended up being a better option for them. Um, so, I don't know. It just depends on uh, whether or not he, he buys in, but... Look, and if Bielicia is a guy who
1: is playing spot minutes, you know, he kind of plays that Jonas Jerebko role. You remember the when Jonas Drebko was on the oh, team? They've been sorely missing him. You know, no, but I mean <laughs> like you 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 get like ten to fifteen minutes every second or third game. Like that's not that's not such a big deal or a big loss on a minimum I But
0: it's is better than Jonas Rebco. He is better. Okay. He is better. Yeah. yeah. I actually like I like the to fit again. Like I'm not down on it. I think at the minimum you do it, right? 100 times out of 100, you just do it. We'll see how it works out. I think three point shooting is going to be really important. The, the Warriors have been looking for, to your point, the Drebko thing. That was like a shot at, hey, can we go find a four spacing big? Amari uh, Spellman, that was like a shot. Can we go find a four spacing big? Like, they've been cycling through these guys. Bielitsia, of all of those guys, is the most proven, right? Like, we know that he can, and he can actually handle the ball a little bit. Like, he's not afraid to dribble two or three times. Um, He runs a lot of handoffs on the perimeter. I think that would work. Like We saw Marquise Chris do that a couple years ago with those handoffs. I think he fits that role. Um, He's a good playmaker. He averages 1.8 assists over his career. Uh, Not only is he going to space the floor as a shooter... But I think he can kind of bring back some of that Zaza, Pachulia, David West, Andrew Bogut stuff as far as a guy who can get into the high post for you, make the right pass on the split action. And honestly, I think that's
1: my favorite thing about his game in terms of how it fits with the Warriors system. The Warriors have really really missed guys like David West and Zaza Pachulia. Yeah. You know, guys who can post up on the low block and just with one hand kick out to an open shooter and read read the defense really quickly and make a snap decision, that should not be underestimated in the Warriors system. The Warriors system is really built around that. There's a reason why Andrew Bogut was so prized yeah. in their system. Um, there's a reason why they haven't had a 20-10 and 10 center and they've leaned more on these guys because... The way their system is built, they need this center to be kind of an offensive fulcrum. And and I think that Bializia can provide that. And uh, yes, he's not super athletic, but neither was Zaza Patchulli. And you can you can hate on Zaza Patrulli all you want, but he played a role on those teams. And he was a helpful player. And it was because he was a smart player who read defenses who 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 could pass the ball. And but Alicia can actually can shoot the ball too, which which Zaza which Zaza could not do. So right. um, it's uh, I think I think it's a good signing. I'm not sure how big his role will be. I do feel like as long as Porter is healthy, that he'll be a legitimate top eight rotation guy. He should be. He yeah. has the talent. He's only 28. Like people forget, he's he's he sh- he should be in the heart of his prime right now. Mm-hmm. Um. I think his best years are behind him because of the injury issues and the lack of explosiveness. But I think he can be a real solid role player. And look, this is a guy who at his core is a role player. He just was such a good role player that he ended up at one point getting a max contract.
0: Yeah, he's he's signed that max when... Um you know, there was that summer of twenty sixteen, and then that following year, 20, like there. A lot of guys were making a lot of money back then. Paul George was kind of was a big deal. Like everybody was looking for a wing. The right? Nets had a ton for, of money. They yeah, yeah, they gave him a crazy offer sheet. And yeah, and everybody was wizards. looking for like that three and D wing, right? The Paul yeah. Georges, the Kawhi Leonard's, and everybody's like out of third pick in the draft. Like he should has all the tools, and he does right. Like good shooter, defends multiple positions, all these things. Um, injuries obviously robbed him of that kind of versatility defensively. I, I don't see him defending guys at the point of attack. I think he's going to defend mostly threes and fours, um, but we'll see. Right? He's got the strength. There's the the physical profile is there for him to be like the Wiggins backup and and guard. You know, apex predator wings like LeBron and Kawhi and PG and things like that. So look again at the minimum. It looks like a home run, but he's got to play for you. My only question is, all right, Otto Porter, that's good. Bializia, that's good. But um, I still think that they're like kind of swinging and missing on that sixth man type. That guy who you know, okay, there are no health concerns here. You know exactly what his game's about. They're not conditioning issues. There's not like any of this, like weird, he's not coming off of a weird down season you're hoping to resuscitate the career. There's like that reliable rock that Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston were, like, they don't have that. Now, Otto Porter could become that. Like, who knows, right? Like, Jordan Poole could become that and if he takes another leap here. Juan Descano Anderson could become that. Um, but we just – there's a lot of ifs, right, kind of yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you want that one guy who just know about One thing
1: I said uh, entering the draft was if your unquestioned sixth man on opening night is Jordan Poole, you lost the off season. Right, and that's not a knock on Jordan Poole. It's just he sh- he's he has not he doesn't have enough of a track record for to warrant that title of being a legitimate six man on a winning team. Right. Now Steve has said he could be a six man. I think that's his ceiling. I think he can be that in maybe a year or two, but I'm not comfortable with it yet. And he hasn't shown the the consistency. He hasn't done it in high level games. Um, I'm just not ready. I mean, I, at the end of the day with Jordan Poole, we're, when we talk about Jordan Poole, we're talking about like a four-week
0: sample size. It's not a big because, sample size. And because of his size, like physical size, and his, and the way that he plays his game, like he's never going to do it defensively the way that Iguodala and Livingston did. Like those guys are just so much bigger and longer than he was. So he really has to be like an elite scorer slash playmaker, right? Like that, an elite is relative, right? He doesn't have to be Steph, but he needs to be like, for a sixth man, he needs to be like, Lou Williams, Jordan Clarkson type, right? Because he doesn't... There's just not much left. Like, he's not going to be a great rebounder for you. He's not going to guard four positions for you. Just, he's not. Uh, is he that right now? No, he's a little streaky still. I'm not saying he can't become that. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, all right, can Jordan Poole be this? Can Otto Porter be this? Can Belizia be this? Can Juan Desconew Anderson, you know, be this? Like, it's like, all right, a lot of ifs. There's not a lot of certainties. Um, and I guess if you're the Warriors, all right, good for you. You're giving yourself options now. Now, it's not like you also drafted Kaminga at seven and Moody at fourteen, and they could be factors too. But again, we don't know what they look like in the NBA. So again, just like a lot of ifs. Good for you for giving yourself options. It would just be nice if you had like a thing that you knew about.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, there there's still plenty of names left on the board right now of who is available. We're entering Wednesday morning. Who do you like at that mid level? Like, who would be your number one pick? Well, the guy that all Warriors fans want
0: is Andre Iguodala. And I don't like him at the mid-level. I, I, I don't think he would cost that full mid-level, but maybe it's a portion of it. And and you can, if you're the Warriors, you can sort of market it as like a, a feel-good story, like a do good by iggy type deal. Like, hey, we shipped him out to Memphis. How dare we? And now we're bringing him back for something. Like this
1: a- isn't the time to be overly sentimental. No, it, well... This isn't the time to make important roster decisions based off nostalgia.
0: Yeah, and if Warriors fans are expecting an Iguodala who like that Iguodala that was like at the that helped the those peak Warriors dynasty years like the 2017 Andre Iguodala, 2016 Andre Iguodala, like that's not Andre Iguodala man. Like not anymore. Not at 37 years old. If you watched any of that Miami stuff, like there was moments for sure and there's like a basketball IQ and a feel and just like a smarts and an experience thing that you just can't replicate. But he just he just can't bring it to you every night. And I think Warriors fans who watched him in twenty nineteen will remember like how bad he was in the regular season. He had a good playoffs, and maybe at the end of the day, that's all you need is sixteen games out of him. But um, yeah, it's it's easy to forget how mediocre he was in in that final regular season. He really was no, and, and those teams could afford that, right? Because you yeah. had Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, healthy Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Like you had a, a loaded roster, and so you could be like, hey, Iguodala, we don't really need you for these eighty two games. The Warriors are not in that situation anymore. They need a sixth man for 82 games gonna matter and you. the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Like this, this team just missed the playoffs two years in a row. This is not a take it for granted type of situation anymore. And uh, so every game matters, and they need somebody. And with that in mind, if every game matters, and you're two big signings or two dudes with health questions, if they're if they miss a substantial amount of time, it doesn't really matter what you did, right? Like this, this team didn't make the superstar move. I don't think they needed to, to get back to the playoffs or even to really work to contend in the West. I don't think they needed to make a superstar move but they needed to add reliable depth. And I still just don't know that they did that.
1: We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. So who, other than oh, Andre Iguodala, is, is um, your pick?
0: If they could bring Iggy on the minimum, I would do it in a heartbeat. The mid-level, I'd have problems. Just to put a, a bow tie on the rest of, on that conversation. But um, as far as we know, and look, we were just covering a summer league game. So if, st- if people signed, I don't know. But like a guy like Reggie Jackson, to me, makes some sense. I wouldn't say he's the most reliable, but there's just not dudes that are out there really right now. Um, like Danny Green, I think is still available. Uh, I just don't know like, how many more wings do you want, right? Especially wings who don't handle the ball because that that's what I'm looking for is a guy who can just uh, run some offense for you, who can playmake because once you get past Steph and Draymond, you're kind of only looking at Jordan Poole as a playmaker, facilitator. I just don't think that that's enough, right? Like oh. Kaminga's not at the level to do that yet right now. Uh, we were just talking with Chris Weems. He thinks Moses Moody's an underrated like pick-and-roll kind of playmaker type guy. You just don't want a rookie to be doing that kind of stuff at the NBA level. Like They're just not ready to do that. Uh, I think they really, really need an experienced uh, playmaker, somebody who knows what to do with the ball in his hands, who, you, like you said, trust at the end of important games. I agree. Um, but I just don't see a lot of guys out there that I
1: love. I mean, I personally think they could use more scoring punch off the bench in, in a backup point guard role. Dennis Schroeder would be uh, an intriguing option. To me. Yeah, I
0: mean if not si- if he's, if he's I, he, available for the mid level
1: at the mid level but he hasn't signed yet. I mean you don't right. know. Yeah. Um and then beyond that I think Reggie Jackson's probably your best option. Um I like I, I know he's not a point guard. I like Danny Green and his fit on this team, but I do agree with you. I think they need another point guard, but you know maybe that maybe that point guard is a, is a minimum guy. You know, uh, I don't think it needs to be a big name guy by any stretch of the imagination. Just someone that you feel comfortable handling the ball from time to time because they, like we've talked about, they have other ball handlers. They have Draymond. Juan Descano Anderson proved that he can be that guy. Um, I just think they need an actual, another point guard because Nico Mannion, even though he had some moments and he's done well with the Italian national team has not proven he's ready for that step yet. Um, but you know, I I wouldn't be opposed to using the, another minimum on a point guard, and then with that mid level, maybe taking a swing. And I I'm 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 honestly a fan of the idea of maybe gambling on someone like Victor Oladipo. I know that's a risk, but it's to me, given what's out there, given their
0: situation, it might be a risk worth taking. The Oladipo thing is interesting, right? Because yeah, at first you would have much prefer a guy like Patty Mills or a Corey Joseph or an Normanman Powell or somebody like that on the mid level exception, but those guys are not available anymore, so maybe now is the time to take a swing and a guy like Old Depot projects is exactly everything we're talking about. he can run offense for you, he can make open shots, he can play off so he can play off the ball or play on the ball um really really good cutter can defend multiple positions, but it's again like. Can he stay healthy? Like we know, he's not going to be ready for the start of the regular season. When will he be ready? Will he be ready in the middle of the regular season? Could he help you make a yeah. playoff push? Is yeah. In an, ready an ready ideal world,
1: playoffs? he'd be your like starting shooting guard for a minute until Clay comes back, and the timeline doesn't match up to that. He might even be out longer than Clay. So you know where what's that? That's a, a big hit on on the prospect of taking him. There's Lou Williams out there. Yeah. Um, I personally am not – I haven't given up on Lou Williams. A lot of people are super down on him right now. I I know he wasn't great last season with Atlanta, but I I think this is a team that needs go-to offense at times with that second unit. They need guys they know they're going to get buckets from. I was a fan of the idea of them going after someone like Alec Burks, who who was on the team a couple years ago and on that really bad team a couple years ago. And – was one of their most reliable scorers and then proved on a pretty good Knicks team that he can be that in a winning environment this past season. And I thought if they can go get him, then they should do that. But, you know, understandably the Knicks brought him back. So um, I, I, I I, worry that they're going to not be able to follow up what I thought were pretty solid minimum signings. Mm-hmm. With, and they're going to kind of lay an egg and and maybe not even use the full mid-level just because there's no one to use it on. Yeah, I don't
0: think it's a guarantee that they even use that $5.9 million allotment yeah. because Joe Lacop is pretty being pretty tight with the purse strings lately, if anybody's noticed. Uh, on any of his recent comments, he's basically said so much. And if it's like, hey... Six million dollars on Victor Oladipo, uh, Oladipo, who might only play twenty games for us. Like you tell Joe Lakeup, you're spending that much more, like six million plus whatever luxury tax implications. I don't feel like doing the math right now, um, but I'm looking at a list of some of the the top point guards who are, uh, uh top guards who are available. I mean, for what the Warriors can afford, right? Frank Nilikina, Alfred Payton, Dennis Smith. Yeah. Do they want to go? Like, sort of I would. Back to I would. Animator? I would maybe. I would maybe Langston take El- Galloway, Raul Neto. That's that might be an interesting option. I
1: I wouldn't hate Alfred Payton. Um, I don't like any of the other ones.
0: But even at like, if you can get him at the minimum, yeah. But a portion of the mid level, even like, isn't it's like, all right, man, how many guys do you want on prove it deals? Like I. Me, like the upside of that is, hey, you got like three guys on prove it deals, and they're really out there to prove it, and they have some career seasons, and it super works out for you. Uh, but the other side is they're on prove it deals for a reason. We need to see it happen. They need to prove that they're good enough to be in the NBA. And um, I just, I don't know what it is right now. I I honestly don't see the move. Uh, it looks and so the old depot thing is interesting because it, at least it's a swing. I think that they need to at least add another guy. And, and it wouldn't shock me if they added him on the minimum instead of the mid-level or a, a small portion of the mid-level um, instead of that full mid-level. One thing we haven't talked about,
1: Kelly Ubre hasn't signed anywhere. I know, I wanted to bring him up. And I haven't heard any rumblings about where he could sign outside of the early report that he uh, has mutual, there's mutual interest with him in San Antonio. I kind of feel like that came from Ubre's camp. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how even real that is.
0: Like, I don't even know if I heard mutual interest. I just heard that Oubre would be really interested in, like, in the lead-up to free agency, it was Oubre would love to play for Greg Popovich. And it sounds like the Spurs were like, all right, cool, for you. that's good for you, man. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. And, and you look at some of these other wings who got picked up, you know, Evan Fournier goes to the Knicks, right? Like, the Knicks were long thought an Oubre uh, destination. Uh, there's just not a lot of teams with cap space left right now. So if Uber is looking for that payday, I don't know that it's going to be there. I don't think
1: it's going to be there. And I honestly think he could end up having to settle for the mid-level, which would be, in his mind, like a complete nightmare scenario because I know he was thinking like 15, 20 mil range. Yeah. Um, I think it's always interesting when you you have these prognostications about what guys could make and then you – you see what they actually make. And sometimes it's just so off. And, um, you know, I think that people assume that there's going to be a market value for someone like Oubre because he's put up X numbers and, and what have you. But front offices care a lot, care about a lot of things more than just raw points per game. Yeah. Like they care about your locker room fit. They care about how you serve winning. Yeah. They care about, Uh, how you fit their system. They care about all these things. And in some of those other intangible categories, he does not grade out very well. He has never, he's been a negative plus minus player every single year in his career. He has not proven that he can help a team win. The Warriors were noticeably better last season without him.
0: Kent Bazemore was a better player for the Warriors than him, even though he's far less talented. And this is after he got hurt in Phoenix. They go to the bubble and they go 8-0. And then they go 8 no because Kelly Ubrey wasn't playing. But things did seem to click there. Yeah. And they were very
1: quick to move off of Uber. And then he's um, traded. And then obviously they get Chris Paul and they take so off.
0: I mean. I, I do wonder if there's. If you're a front office with cap space. So, as far as I know, the Spurs still have cap space. The Thunder still have cap space. Uh, and Charlotte has about $13 million in cap space. This is according to the latest projections. Um, if I were one of those three teams. I would maybe I would I would look at Ubrey very seriously, just as a guy who we could flip maybe at the trade deadline for assets, right? If you're sitting here with all this cap space, and we just name some of the free agents out there. Like, I don't know, like are any of those guys getting you really excited? And if you're if you're San Antonio, Charlotte, or Oklahoma City, you're all in different phases of a rebuild, but you're looking for future assets, right? Like if you're Charlotte, you're trying to just get guys to put around Lamelo. I don't love the Oubre fit with Lamelo, even though he can play up and down. I think it could work. Like, Charlotte to me makes a lot of sense because you're like, all right, let's take a flyer on this guy. If it works, awesome. And if not, like, maybe that's a a situation where you could sell at the deadline and, and, you know, there's a team that's on the fringe of the playoff run and say, hey, we just need some sort of 3 and D type of wing. We need size. We need some defense. Let's take a half-year flyer on Oubre. Like and if you're Charlotte, maybe you get a you know protected first rounder. or just something back in return, right. a trade exception like that could be helpful, right? And so, that's what I think ultimately will happen. Like uh, for Oubre. because I still think that there's a I I I still believe in Ubre as a player. Yeah, like I think I there's so. a lot of tools there. There's a lot of things to like. He brings like he can be really productive. I mean, like the guy scored 41 points in a game against Dallas this last season. Like he's not terrible. Like he can help you in the right role. Um, there's a role for him in the NBA. He's certainly, an NBA player. It's just sort of like finding that fit.
1: Yeah, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. I think uh, I honestly think the way that he's handled the lead up to free agency is backfiring on him. Um, he went on a lot of podcasts. He went on a lot of radio interviews. He did a lot of PR and. It was interesting to me because I'm like, you're doing all these interviews, yet you're not saying things that are very PR friendly. You're not saying things that really are going to help your case. Like, if you're going to do those things in the lead up to free agency, you should have a very specific plan in place. You should know what you're saying. And it felt like he just was speaking off the cuff and he said some things that were like – Who's going to listen to this and want to sign you? Like, the way he was talking about the Warriors putting him in a box. And, look, teams saw how how that whole situation unfolded. They didn't put him in a box. They just saw that he wasn't playing very well. Like, and not helping them win. I mean, it's uh, it just shows where his head's at. I think he, was, he came across like he might think more highly of his abilities than other people
0: yeah, you believe him to be. He he obviously wants, like the room to grow and and, like play his game. I don't know what that game is. <laughs> you know, like he's not a great ball handler. Uh, you know like, what do you want? Like what does he want to be doing? I don't. He just like, wants what's to run the, the floor
1: and throw down dunks and.
0: I guess like, I, but the Warriors let him do that. Like that. Was, like what do you want to do? You want to like, run offense for us? Like I I don't really know what the what the problems with the box that he was in. Was right like you're sharing a court with Steph and Draymond and look maybe it was something behind the scenes that was happening maybe it was the fact that they did put him in the second unit instead of making him a starter like at the end of the year I don't know whatever it was something rubbed him the wrong way in Golden State that's fine man like it's not everything's for everybody but uh you're right absolutely right like but it just feels like you every can't just pl- say universe it instead just feels of, like
1: every place is rubbed in the wrong way it's not like he actually liked Phoenix. Uh he didn't speak very highly of Phoenix. No, okay. No. I think he liked it. No. Of Jesus. He's been pretty negative about yeah, Phoenix, his time with Phoenix. Um Yeah, I don't know he, where he wants to go. But you know, you know those people in life where it's like they just kind of complain about everything and it's like
0: does everyone just suck around you or yeah. or maybe you should look yourself in the mirror. And that's why I'm not sure about the Spurs fit, because the Spurs they're really good with player development. Um but they don't strike me as a team that's just like, hey, here's the here's the rock, go do whatever you want, right? Like, no. Greg Popovich has a military background. He's he's not a Spurs type player. Uh, I think Charlotte makes a lot of sense. I just keep going back to Charlotte. You can just see Lamelo like wanting to run the floor with them. It's they're young. They play fast. They play free. Uh, I could see Ubra actually thriving in that type of situation. He could be kind they of a sec- wings. He could be kind of a security blanket for Book Night.
1: If Brook Knight doesn't end up being super great, yeah, as a and you just got a
0: bunch of young guys that just want to run the floor, I think it's a really good fit. I just I don't know what Charlotte's um, like team needs are, what they're trying to accomplish in free agency, but if they circle around Wubray, I think it would make I would think it could make some sense for both sides.
1: I like that. I like that because he it, it fits their style of play. One thing I wanted to touch on real quick before I let you go is is summer league. Um, Tonight was the first night of Summer League, but it almost didn't really count because none of the key guys played. Uh, Moody didn't play. Um, J- J- Jonathan Kaminga did not play. Even Michael Mulder and Gary Payton II, who are on the roster, did not play. Um, what is the biggest thing you're going to be watching in both
0: Sacramento and Vegas? Oh, Jonathan Kaminga, and like that's one A, and then like one D is like Moses Moody, but it's all about Kaminga, man. Like this is yeah. it. That's the only thing that matters in Summer League. Yeah, you've got some, like, G League, like, Santa Cruz guys who make get called up for two-way contracts, like, whatever. If you're, like, really in the weeds on Warriors roster stuff. Which, which I am. Yeah, no, I, both men, I, like, I asked, some, jobs. I asked
1: some, uh, some questions about potential two-way candidates, but...
0: Yeah, I think there's some of them on this roster. So I think guys like Ryan Taylor, the center, the center who is... Salam Magu, Magube. Yeah, you were a profile on him. I, I think both of those guys have inside tracks and maybe getting one of these two-way deals. We'll see. Um, but uh, whatever, like two-ways or two-ways. Like, this is about Kaminga. Like, you want to see him against really stiff... Com- like, not really, not really stiff competition. I think it's somewhere between college and what he was going against in the G-League night regularly. Um, but, you know, NBA-level to a degree competition. What does he look like? What did he learn from... Uh, rough kind of end to his G League Ignite stint, um, can he play right away? Can he contribute right away? Because we just watched Davion Mitchell hang like 21 points or whatever it was.
1: on. The- he looked
0: like a man among boys. He looked like... Even though like, his team just lost. Just put him on an NBA court he's ready to go, right? And that was the thing with David Mitchell. Everybody knew he was ready to go. Like, nobody debated that. It was I guess, I guess there was people on Warriors Twitter being like, he can't play because he's got a 6'3 wingspan. Like, that's the only thing that matters. But, um... <laughs> That was my impression of all. Are of you are Twitter. you
1: hating Warriors Twitter right now? Yeah,
0: you... I am actually. Wow, wow. No, I am because it's like they were unhappy about literally every player in this draft. Like somehow, if they didn't hit Cade, Cade Cunningham, people were upset. So
1: yeah, a lot of people really anti every, every too. Pro,
0: all I kept hearing from everybody that works in the NBA is that this is a deep draft, and everything that I heard from uh, Warriors Twitter was that this draft sucks. Yeah. So, whatever.
1: Yeah, I uh, mean, <laughs> I the same people who were. Uh, hating on the potential this, Franz Wagner pick we're hating know. on the Kaminga pick, it's like, okay, you, you have to like one of them. Right. Like, if Two you if you hate coin. Franz Wagner, then you should like yeah. Kaminga and if you hate Kaminga, you should this like This is not
0: all, Franz I know I'm going to get hate on this because whatever, I've somehow, I feel like become like a villain. This on my summer, podcast. On your podcast, yeah. Look, There are people out there, and you know who you are, who are awesome. Like the people on Warriors Twitter who are great. You know who you are. I know it's probably a vocal minority. I don't mean to come off as a complainer, but Jesus, be happy with something, people. Anyway, um, it's all about Kaminga. Can he play? What does he look like? Does he come out and look overwhelmed and skittish? Or does he come out and look like something closer to Davian Mitchell? Because you took Kaminga over Davian Mitchell. And I know that you don't really expect him to play right away, but there should be some sort of... Hey, he's six foot eight. He's the most athletic guy on the floor. He has all the tools to dominate. Is he going to dominate, right? Like, we see Summer League isn't the end all be all. Like, you don't learn a whole lot from Summer League, but every once in a while, you can just see a guy on the court. It's just like, all right, you get it. It makes sense. This guy's going to play well. Like, this guy is going to work in the NBA. It's all about coming It's the only thing anybody cares about. No,
1: I, I, I want to say a different thing, but you're right that. It's totally everything that I care about. We came up here initially to watch Kaminga play tonight. We found out that he and Moody were sitting and we're like, oh, I guess we're just not going to write tonight. <laughs> like, because there was honestly just nothing, nothing to else yeah. worth I mean, look, writing about. No, are, no offense to everyone who played tonight. We're still one right. in an overtime game. Right, right. But ultimately, that's what matters. And to build off what you were saying, I, I, I've, there's a, big part of me that wants to believe and honestly does believe that Jonathan Kaminga is further along than a lot of people are giving him credit for. People are talking about him like, oh, he's gotta spend the next two years in the G League. You think the Warriors wanna send their
0: top ten pick to the G League for no. extended periods of time? Like he doesn't get to do that. No seventh pick in the draft, you don't get to say what what was the last number seven pick? And maybe look, I might be wrong here, but I just I don't remember a player as hyped as Kaminga was Drafted as high as he was, being sent to the G League for an extended amount of time. Like yeah, I'm, I'm trying to rack, like. I could be wrong. There might be a player that I'm not thinking Marcus of. Marcus
1: Smart was in the G League. Um, I don't know how long exactly, but I, yeah, no, it's just that would be like in Doesn't some it in some way
0: when he got into the NBA, he might have
1: been. Um, but that would be in some in some ways a, a total worst case scenario for the Warriors. I mean. They want to find some sort of role for him. And And by the way, he
0: just played in the G League and he hurt his draft stock. So it's not like the G League is super great for him.
1: Yeah, (laughs) but you got to keep in mind he was playing on a team with Jalen Green. Jalen Green, you know, became the guy. Uh, If he was on a team that didn't have a Jalen Green type player, does does he regress the way he does? I'm not sure he does. I don't know.
0: They just they. It's not going to happen. Is is. Like it, look. He might play in the G League for a little bit, but it's not going to be for an extended amount of time. I don't see him playing that Allen geach role of "Hey, you just never play." Yeah,
1: people literally. I've seen multiple credible people be like, "Okay, he'll slide into the Smileygeech role." Like, wow. If I'm Allen, if I'm Jonathan Kaminga, and I'm seeing that, I'm feeling insulted. <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah, smiley I
1: mean, uh, Smileygeech
0: isn't an NBA player. I think, and they, to, they they're gonna. I could imagine. Look. Summer league's gonna matter. How does he respond? How does he look? How does he take the coaching? All these things. These are reports that Chris Williams is gonna be sending up the poll throughout this whole summer process, right? So that's gonna determine what it is that ultimately happens with Kaminga's development. There's no question he has to develop and there's a developmental plan that needs to be in place. We just, I asked Bob Myers about this. He doesn't know what it is until they see him in summer league. Like like this is the start of it. Like you yeah. gotta have a barometer, and they don't know what the barometer is right now. The barometer can't be the G League Ignite program because that's not your program. Yeah. So no, you they genuinely don't
1: know, and I don't blame them. Like I No, it's impossible. And know. Anyone yeah. who watched his, his 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 stint with G League Ignite would just be confused. Because he there at the beginning of the G League bubble, he looked amazing. He looked like a legitimate generational talent. And then by the end of the, the bubble it looked like, is this guy
0: a potential bust? He just seemed to over it. He, like, he was playing it like it was like pickup, and there was like guys running back on defense, and he was like, I'll get it the next time. Like, but
1: I, I refuse to believe that those first three games in the bubble were a total operation. Like, I feel that they can tap into that. And the thing about him is he's an NBA-ready body. Yeah. Physically, he's ready to be on an NBA floor. I feel like you could throw him into an NBA game tomorrow, and he would not look completely out of his
0: depth. He just needs to know what he's doing and buying into whatever it is that he's been told to do, right? And we don't know that he can do that yet. Like, we don't know. I'm not saying he can't. That's what the Summer League is for, is to find all those things out.
1: And then on a smaller level, just to, just to have something a little bit different, I am curious to see Justinian Jessup. Um, we saw him for the first time tonight. Uh, he didn't shoot very well, uh, but he had some nice flashes. He mm-hmm. had a pretty good second half. Um, you know, he's got he's got more in his arsenal than just knock down three-point shooting. He had a couple like nifty moves around the basket and things of that nature. Um, I think we're going to see in summer league whether or not it's viable for him to be yeah. on the 15-man roster
0: this season. Um, look, team defense, I think he's I don't know that he's a plus there, but he knows what he's doing. He had a nice steal early in the first quarter, early in the game, played the passing lane well, anticipated the thing. He was playing really, really hard tonight. Like, he really wanted it. I think he was... He seemed a little nervous. A little skittish, right? And I think that's maybe what threw him off, and that's why he didn't shoot very well. But the fact that he kept shooting was really good. Like, you love to see that. Um, But, like, all those things are great, but at the end of the day, he has to basically be a 40% three-point shooter. And if he's not, like... The Warriors are hoping that he's their Duncan Robinson. And if he's not that, then I don't know what exactly he is. Because he's not a great athlete. He's going to be beaten off the dribble probably his entire NBA career. Right? And so you just sort of, you factor that in as a given. Okay, well then how do you make up for that? Well, you better make a ton of threes if you're giving up a bunch of twos at the basket. Um, So if he's not a 40% three-point shooter, it's not going to matter. And if he keeps taking shots, great. They're going to have to sink. Right? Because it's not as if... He'll probably get a training camp invite, and, and he'll be involved in that process, but um, the only way he makes the roster and he doesn't go back to the Australia is if he's nailing these threes at a really, really high clip. Yeah, Moses and he... Moody, I want to talk about him. If David Mitchell came out, and he's sort of the safe pick, right, and everybody's like David Mitchell or Moses Moody at 14, Whether whatever the Warriors do at 7, if they take a swing at 7, they gotta go safe at 14, Moody or Mitchell make a lot of sense. If Mitchell came out and hung 20-plus points and looked like a man among boys, like you said, in the... Then doesn't Moses Moody also have to do that? Wasn't that the expectation of Moses Moody? Is they're different players, right? Like he's I, not I a just go-to don't. I don't see him being
1: was. that. He's not as physically imposing. He's, but he's,
0: all I'm saying is, we need to. See, if that was the case for drafting Moses Moody, then we should see something right away, right? We should see yeah. a bunch of steals or you know some good defense and making a bunch of threes. He says that his NBA ready skill is that he can knock down threes. That's what he's gonna be able to do. He
1: should outplay Kaminga tomorrow.
0: That's he what should. Been, I'm really interested. I'm not convinced that. he will. Honestly. Well, they might be. They they might end up force feeding Kaminga a little bit based on some of the stuff we're hearing. But they also like the two man game. Like we've heard Chris Weems talk about the fact that they can run pick and roll together. Like I'm just interested to see that interplay. But I really just want to see Moody look ready. Like that. If that was the whole point of taking Moody, you wanted to get an NBA ready guy at 14, then he better look NBA ready because David Mitchell looked NBA ready.
1: No, Damian Mitchell, and you were sitting right next to me, and you said multiple
0: times they should have taken this guy. They should have taken They're this just, guy. You can't tell me that there were seven better players than him today. Upside is upside, like whatever. But the upside is Upside is
1: such a fascinating thing. Like upside, a lot of times just means that
0: you hope and pray someone yeah. will be good because he's not good now. Damian Mitchell's good now. And everybody listening to this podcast knows, like, I'm totally in the bag for David Mitchell. But it's not like I just have, have some like unfounded bias. I just think yeah. the dude's really good and he could play.
1: I wish he was available at 14, but I've I'm a personal fan of the Kaminga pick. I think yeah, I don't the right look. Pick.
0: I wouldn't have taken Mitchell at seven, but then again, everybody like they're praising Sacramento for taking Mitchell at nine. Like, is there that big of a difference between seven and nine? Like, I don't think so. But
1: whatever. Wes, thank you so much. You probably uh, pissed off our entire listenership once again tonight. No,
0: no, no, but there are people that agree with us. And look, and I said it before you know who you are, you rock. The rest of you, whatever. Our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining
1: me on the podcast. Really appreciated all of his insight. Warriors Offcore is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com.